I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. I'm really excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Uh, we're, we're careful about the sponsors that we involve. I really am not into really pushing products unless it's something that I use myself and like and, and want to share with all of you. And so I've been trying out Finn and, um, and I, I really like it. And so I'm excited to talk to you about it. Finn is a high quality virtual assistant uh, you can use it to, to handle all kind of tasks like scheduling meetings, booking travel, buying gifts, or even more complicated things like hiring freelancers, building websites. I'm just starting to use it and um, finding you know a lot of fun, fun ways to save time, take things off my plate. Um, I'll let you know as we go in, in the weeks to come, you know, the different things that I come up with. So far, you know, I used it to cancel a subscription, some, some software I wasn't using. I'm embarrassed to say I'd been paying like $60 a month for the last two years without using this thing, and I uh, just never got around to it. So I hit Finn, cancel that for me, it's done. Um, I'm using it to do LinkedIn research to help me find some candidates of uh, people I need to hire. It's fast, easy, affordable. Um, basically everything a great assistant can do. And uh, what I really like about it is that you, there's so many ways to, uh, to access Finn. You can use their website, send them an email, a text. There's a mobile app. You can even just send them a voice message and they, they jump on it. You can try it now for free. I've got uh, my very own link just for Rebel Radio listeners and I'm excited to share it with you at no cost. Get over to fin.com slash rebel. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Fin.com slash R-E-B-E-L. Fin.com slash rebel. I want to hear how you're using it. Um, hit, me, hit me up on social. Let me know if you tried out Fin, what you think. And, uh, you know, I'd love to share ideas about how we can all be more productive. You're listening to Rebel Radio. This is DJ Bella Fiasco. Fuck off, Josh. Not fuck you, Josh. Fuck off, Josh. <laughs>
What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show that brings you new music every week from EDM.com. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and my guest today is Bella Fiasco. She's a great young DJ. Uh, She's a brand ambassador for the Beat Junkies. Check her out on Mixcloud. She's got a new mix called The Drip Mix, which uh, if you want to get up on new hip-hop music, that's a good way to do it. She's going to talk to us about what it's like being a woman in DJ culture today, how that whole landscape is changing, uh, how she's taking inspiration from other female DJs, and some lessons she's learned about when to let people get close to you, how to handle it when they betray you, all that stuff. Good stuff coming up with Bella Fiasco on Rebel Radio right after our EDM.com track of the week. Yeah. You know they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting new results. It's time to evolve. Talking the law when I ride with my dog. No time to catch a case. Man, it's time to evolve. My family's straight. Gotta ride for the cause. We entrepreneurs, man, it's time to evolve Been at the bottom, no more riding along I'm taking my chance, it's time to evolve I've seen them rise, I've seen them fall But that ain't my fate, man, it's time to evolve It's the rise of Atlantis, it's apparatus The canvas on which I paint is a matter of Jacob's ladder The man is risen from pain, from battered industry Chattered the range, been this way since I came And my dream shattered, dog. Right in front of my cousin after the pack was made We never going back to push packs It's like a masquerade So many different angles to validate what they have to say My family looking at me like grabs on pain to they rapping pace Disappointed, disjointed from every angle Dance around the subject of failure but never tangle I pray to God and his guardian angels You got a part of my angles, the strength of my brain is Yo, that was the EDM.com track of the week Jay Nolan with Evolve Hope you enjoyed that one. Get over to EDM.com for more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with Bella Fiasco. You gotta learn where I'm headed. It's such a fast curve. Rack nerves can't decipher what my life is like. I'm interviewing you, so. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I just learned about you recently and, and I've been listening to a lot of mixes. And so I'm excited to Uh-oh. hear what it's all about. I hope some good mixes. Yeah, good stuff, actually. Um, I'm curious about, about, I have some questions about some of them, but. Um, okay, ask away. No, I want to know how you got started. You were telling us about moving from Philippines and, and your, your journey, but. Yeah. Um, I want to know how you first got into music. I've just, I've always been around music. My parents are both musicians. My oh, yeah. dad specifically is um, a bass player and he's been in bands like his entire life. Nice. Probably, well. My entire life. Uh, your entire life, yeah. Yeah, and um, when I was little, he would take me along to his gigs. Yeah. I mean, in the Philippines, what you didn't of, have to be... What kind of bands? Uh, my dad's band does everything from funk, acid jazz, oh, R&B, cool. all of that stuff. Nice. And then, um, but they had, a, they had a weird transition, like, during their last, like, few years of fame in the Philippines. They were very uh, well-established really? and popular band in the Philippines. Yeah. But um, maybe I would say called? The Passage. Okay. 
I would say like right around their last like year of popularity, they transitioned into house electronic mm. music. Wow. And that was something really like new in the Philippines. Sure. But these were all like studio recorded albums. Like they were still an eight piece band, but they wow. were recording, you know, electronic music and like just making it sound new. Yeah. But like they, I don't think Philippines was ready for that. Like that whole scene was just like, it, it wasn't even that it was foreign and cool. It was like, I don't know this makes no sense. Piece house band. That's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, but it, yeah. if and I wish you guys could like peep it out. Like they have some YouTube, like old YouTube videos, yeah. and like their albums still up, like on iTunes and Spotify, whatever you can find it anywhere. But yeah. it sounds cool now. It's it's different because it's it, sure. it, it's cool because it sounds different right, now. Right, right. But like around then, I feel like that was like the death of their fame. But anyways, my dad would take me along to all their gigs because mm. I mean, who would be babysitting me? No one, because right. my mom would be coming along too. And I mean, it's Philippines, you could go to the club. Right. It could be like, I'm like five years old at the club sleeping, you know what I mean? And that was, I've just always been around it. I, I was around music before I even realized that I was yeah. in music, you know what I mean? So, so it was just like- first, an, So other than your dad's music, is there a first record that you are aware of, like remember discovering or getting excited about? That's just, that's so hard, like, uh, that's so hard to answer. I'm always around music, yeah. like, I'd literally be in the house, my mom would be blasting music, and I'm, like, traumatized from, like, loud music, because, you know, I'm young, so, and uh, my ears are so sensitive, my parents was, are probably deaf. Playing? Um, my mom loved Stevie Wonder, Earth, uh -huh. Wind & Fire. Uh, but she loved like Euro bands too. Like she loved D Sound, mm -hmm. um, a lot of Sade, everything and anything. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And so, were you playing music too? Yeah, my dad. Well, my first uh, self-taught instrument was the guitar. Mm. Wasn't good at it. So my dad taught me how to play the drums. Okay. The drums was probably the longest instrument that I actually stuck to and was like really interested in excelling at. Yeah. I'd say I'm decent, but it wasn't long after till I realized that DJing existed. Mm -hmm. But I always say this, I, I, I feel like DJing found me because, really? um, well, my dad bought me my first spare turntable, so start there. Okay. But um, he bought a, pair of turntables because my dad owns a PA rental company. Uh -huh. So he does like weddings and private parties and all that. And it was yeah. kind of one of those things where it was like, you should learn how to DJ. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. But it was like, everything just tied in together. Like in middle school, I would always, I just always had a knack for like curating playlists, like soundtracking. I would burn playlists onto CDs and I'd pass them out to friends. And it right. got to a point where I would, they'd ask me for like playlists and they would pay me for it. And it was just like a little, you know, like, middle school hustle, I nice. like burn CDs and get money for it. Yeah. Um, that and uh, my dad doing private events, he would always ask me for like, uh, hey, I'm doing a wedding, do you think you could put a playlist together? Or, uh, you know, little things like it, it would, and I'd ask like, who's getting married? Like, uh -huh. where are they from? How yeah. old are they? Just like things like that, like programming sure. and knowing that this is what fits for that. Yeah. And then that's when he bought um, my turntables, and then I just transitioned into learning. But cool. it wasn't—it wasn't one of those things where it was like I saw a DJ and was like, 
that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. You know what I mean? I feel like I kind of got thrown into it and yeah. I realized that I loved it. So it was kind of like, that's what I mean, but I feel like it found me. That's cool. Or maybe my dad did and kind of uh -huh. just threw me in there, but. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first party you played in front of people? Yeah. It was a wedding gig. Oh, yeah. I did wedding gigs for like, shit, like one to two years. Uh-huh. But even after I made it into clubs, I was still doing weddings. Yeah. That's where I got all my practice. It's a good place to start because you get paid. Yeah, you get paid. And that's yeah. when I realized I, I wanted to be an open format DJ. Yeah. Because even like, yeah, you have to play um, everything. yeah, but even uh, like getting into the culture and learning about the culture, just I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go into it not knowing any history. I wanted mm -hmm. to learn it the right way mm -hmm. and have the right knowledge. And I'd reach out to my uncles who uh, are DJs and, you know, they're all in hip hop, obviously. And I love hip hop. Hip hop's my first love too, but like, I loved everything else. And like DJing corporate parties and weddings and all that, I learned how to play outside of the box. Yeah. It wasn't just, I, I, I couldn't just play hip hop because I loved hip hop. Like I had to, you know, learn how yeah, to play everything cool. else. And yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we know so many great Filipino DJs here. Right. Um, it's a, it is a Filipino-dominated field, yeah, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so then at what point does, do you realize that that's going to be a career? Um, when I started to, honestly, when I started to fail my classes at school. Yeah. Because I was just so focused at, like, DJing. Like, it was... So doing the wedding stuff with my dad and making money off of that, mm -hmm. it, it, it took a while for it to feel like I was doing it for fun yeah. because at first it was like, I want to help my dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I actually started developing as a DJ and like learning the craft when mm -hmm. I realized like, this is, this is amazing. Like I, I'm, I'm good at this. Like right. I got to develop as a DJ and really take this seriously. And when I started um, doing club gigs and getting paid for that, I started doing pretty bad at school. Uh -huh. But I, for a while, like for a couple of years, I really wanted to balance both. I was like school and DJ, school so like and what, DJ, school and like DJ. What age? Right out of high school. Okay. So two years out of high school, yeah. I was balancing both, and I just I couldn't focus on DJing so much, and I couldn't focus on school so much. So right. it was just like my attention was always just divided, and I needed to stick with one thing and my parents have always been so supportive like people to this day like they're they they ask me like how how did how do you know being filipino how did you drop out of college and how do right. you how are you able to just do what you do and your parents not like be on your ass about right. it and i'm like they're musicians they get it like my dad's been in the nightlife scene for like ever so yeah. he gets it and i never got shit from them they're just like as long as you do good and you take this seriously and you don't fuck around, mm -hmm. you're good. Mm -hmm. So I've always had their support. So was there like a day then when you, you sat down and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna do school, I'm gonna be a DJ? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> this was the day that I told my mom, I can't pass statistics. Uh -huh. I can't pass statistics, I hate math. And I made a proposal to my mom but she had already brought this up. Like she realized that I wasn't doing well in school and she mm -hmm. was like, look, if this is something you really wanna do, you could take a break. You can always go back to school. School's always gonna be there. Like go full throttle at this and just do your thing. And nice. 
it was like a hard day at school. Yeah. And I talked to my mom and I was just like, I think I'm going to take you up on that offer. But I always like try to stray away from it because like, you know, everybody in the families, a doctor, lawyers and nurses, shit like that. But I was just like, if I have you guys' support, I think I'm good. You guys are my parents. And mom's like, don't worry about that. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry about what they have to say. Like, you're my daughter. We're your parents. We're okay with it. Don't worry about that shit. Like, if right. you really want to do this, you could do it. Because my dad, and my dad would talk about it, like all the sacrifices that he made just to be a musician. You know what I mean? Because it was the same thing. Like, his parents weren't supportive of it at first. Right. Till he realized that um, all he had to do was really put everything into it and succeed then they would see that it you know that it's working out mm-hmm. what was what was the day after like 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 does, do you start to develop a plan for like what you're gonna do or well or around like, that what time changes after you made that decision around that time i was already i already had my foot in um some clubs but i think that um it wasn't long after I like left school when I actually like made my way from doing Long Beach because I'm from Long Beach. It wasn't long after that till I made it to L.A. from Long Beach. And from then, everything just like was like crystal clear. I'm like, I could do this, mm-hmm. like just learning the ropes and being in that scene outside of, you know, like local. Right. I was like, I could do this and yeah. I want to take this further. And that's what I did. I just worked my ass off. And that's, it's hard. I've never had to talk about this. It's crazy. It's, it's, um, I, I think I was right in between, uh, the time of female DJs either be, being really good mm-hmm. or, you know, the show DJs. So who comes to mind when you think of that? When I think of... Like who was happening, like what female DJs were happening in that in that time? Okay, like I said, it was it was either like the really, really good, well-respected DJs. Which is who? Um, Shorty, okay. Tina T, uh, Charisma's on the radio and I listened to her forever. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, the show DJs. Mm-hmm. There, it was hard to be in between because it, if you showed up to the club and you looked cute, it was like she's right. probably shitty because she looks cute because there weren't that many right. and if you did look cute or you were half naked djing you automatically fell in that category mm-hmm. or if you were that really really great dj you just i don't know like there was a certain image that people look for sure, i feel like and that's like a harsh truth so so, I, so how has that environment changed obviously like we're seeing oh yeah it's a really good time to be a woman it's in, a great time to in be a lot a of businesses right now yeah um, how is that impacting DJ? I, I, I feel like I'm like literally witnessing it. I'm living right in the middle of it because yeah. like I said, like when I first started DJing, there wasn't like that in between. It was either this or that. And right. it, I like, there were times where I felt like I had to compromise my image just so that I could show up and have people take me seriously. You know what I mean? But I felt like I didn't have to do that. Right. But I, I did it anyways because it, it, everything was like a compromise. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I didn't want, and especially like the gigs that I was doing, um, opening for like male DJs that I really looked up to. I like, all I cared about, all I still care about is street cred. Right. Like credibility is all that matters. You know what I mean? And DJing with like guys that I've looked up to and like, 
I would literally, you know, I, I'd open for these guys and I'm like shaking, like, oh my God, am I doing the right thing? Am I playing the right opening set? Like, what do you think they think? And then like, I turn around after my set, like getting them ready. And then there's some DJs that wouldn't even like shake my hand. Mm. You know what I mean? Really? And then, and to me, it's like, even outside of the whole DJing thing, I'm still a female and I sure. feel like really, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a demeaning feeling. And yeah. I've felt that so many times just, being a female DJ. Yeah. So like I said, like I'm like right in the middle of that that transition. And it is it's a great time to be a female DJ cuz now um it, you could be you could be whoever you want, but I, mm -hmm. I it's not not even just in like the DJ industry, like mm -hmm. this this whole climate is like changing everything else. Like where I feel like now we're like glorifying the whole you can be whoever you want, be right. comfortable, you don't have to try and be someone else. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a great climate, you know what I mean? Check it out, y'all. Help me welcome LinkedIn to the show as our newest sponsor. I couldn't be more excited about this one. I don't know if you know what I do for a living. I'm not only the humble host of your favorite podcast, I also run a lifestyle marketing agency. We create events and experiential activations and content to help brands make investments in music, art, and other areas of culture. And this year, we also started offering recruiting services to help companies hire amazing people from within the network we've built over the years. In other words, I have to hire a lot of people. And it's no exaggeration to say I just I couldn't do that without LinkedIn. That's the truth. I use it every day to network, to keep in touch with people, to search for candidates, to do research. It's pretty much always open on my computer. LinkedIn is a better way to find great talent than the job boards or the other job sites. I mean, think about it. Millions of people are already using LinkedIn for networking. Most of those people aren't checking job boards, but they're on LinkedIn. So if you post your job there, people are way more likely to see it and to pay attention. 22 million people view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week. And their system considers the skills, experiences, location, and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates. If you're not using LinkedIn for your hiring needs, you're missing out. So if you need to hire people for your company, I'm going to hook you up. Go to linkedin.com slash rebel and get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash rebel for a $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. So how's that affecting your work? I mean, uh, you know, nightlife such a male-dominated industry from the promoters to the you know it's the most djs to right yeah and um you know we're hearing stories in every other industry about how that uh people abuse their power right um so what's the climate like now like how what's changed how would you say it's changed in the last year or so um uh, i guess they're more open to female talent without the restriction hmm. but not completely of course you know i, I don't yeah. know if it's ever going to be we're ever going to reach that no. spot Probably but not. um well for the most part most promoters or clubs or events that i work with i've worked with for years so mm -hmm. it's all about like the relationships that i've built with them and yeah. like the trust and loyalty and that they have sorry that they have uh, for me, and it's it's just it's building. Like I would say, eighty percent of the gigs that I have now, 
are all from events and parties that I've done nice. over the years. Yeah. So it's all just building a relationship. If they know you're good, they're going to keep working with you. So can you think of somebody who kind of put you on at the beginning and what, what was that like? Meaning, you know, what did you do to get them to take a chance on you or what did they see in you? Um, I played a gig for $50 uh -huh. in Long Beach. And it was just because I was practically begging him for a slot at this club. Right. Just to show him that I could do it. But I, you know what? For the, for the most part, I think it was just to show, it, it was to show myself that I could do it. I wanted to know if I could do it. Sure. it. It was kind of like a, is this what you really want? You should try it. Like weddings and corporate gigs are, and all that. It's, it's a different ball field. But like being in the club, and this mm -hmm. was a busy club in Long Beach. So I was, I was begging him. I'm like, you got to give me a shot. Like I would show up to this, this, this club and just watch other DJs and take that in and learn from it mm -hmm. until I told him, Hey, I think I'm ready. You should give me a, you should give me a shot. Yeah. But then like around this time, it was one of those, like, um, it's so easy to get like 50 people in the club. All we got to do is grab a new DJ with right. a following who are like so excited to hear a new DJ. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and they use and abuse it too. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I was, I, I, I did parties like that for a few months, but I didn't mind. I, I, I knew I had to start somewhere. Yeah. I think the, the, the labor was in transitioning from that DJ to a paid DJ, a sought out DJ. You sure. Know? Yeah. And uh, I had to leave Long Beach to do that. Mm. I had to leave Long Beach and I worked on branding myself. And I did all of that on my own. It what was, does that mean? What did you do? Branding is hard because like, like I mentioned earlier, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like stuck in between like, can I just like dress and look how I want to dress and look and you guys would still take me seriously? Mm -hmm. But like I said, like within the past few years, it, that, that, there was a weird transition. Like you could be a girl, be as girly as you want, be as woman as you want. But mm -hmm. like, how are we going to take you seriously if we feel like that's like distracting us from your right. skill, you know? And I, I, I guess uh, part of my branding was uh, being comfortable and being me and convincing people that I'm still good mm -hmm. or in general that you could look good and be good because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it wasn't like around the time that I was starting as a DJ or what I just I've I don't even know if I'm speaking for everybody else or this was just like a personal experience but I didn't feel comfortable sure I was always scared I was always worried I was always nervous so you know? was there a point where that changed uh to be honest being comfortable probably didn't happen till the last couple of years mm -hmm. just having a name for myself and you know being I don't want to sound I don't want to sound a certain way but just like having that demand mm -hmm. is when I started to feel comfortable and it was all of those years that I felt like I had to compromise you know what I mean it all right. built up to to now having a brand and and credibility and respect and just trust mm -hmm. from others yeah what, um, are there any mistakes you made kind of early on that you would tell somebody starting out not to make? Um, mistakes? Probably, 
That's a good question. Because, you know, people always ask about... Wait, am, I, am I supposed to no, drink, you... ask you bad questions? Because <laughs> people ask the opposite usually. That's my job. Ask but you're questions. asking the opposite. I only opposite. have one job here. Right. A mistake that I... Uh... I mean, maybe you didn't make any mistakes. No, um, I've, I've had some weaknesses. Maybe, I, maybe it was uh, overcompromising. Maybe it was um, not having enough courage sometimes. Mm. Maybe it was missing out on opportunities because I didn't feel like I fit these experiences. Yeah. Maybe it was that. Like, I, I, I know I talk about compromising a lot because I, I did so much of it. Maybe some experiences I, I did a little too much of it and I held can you, myself back. Can you think of an example? Um, not in specific, but I do want to talk about a story, maybe okay. that kind of had to do with it. Let's hear a story. Let me drink some water. Oh, this is dramatic. Sip some tea. So I remember uh, I used to open for this guy. Obviously, I'm not going to say any names. I used to open for this guy for a couple of years, and I looked up to him. I even uh, I did I did like drops on his mixtape. Like it, we were cool. Mm -hmm. Like he was super cool and, and, and I always felt comfortable with him. I would always ask him for advice starting out DJing and um, it's getting cold. Starting out DJing and um, getting into clubs and all that. And he would book me at like his residencies and all that. Like I had his trust. Right. We were super cool, right? Yeah. And then um, fast forward to a couple of years uh, when I left DJing like local stuff and I made it to LA, Vegas, Hollywood, whatever. Uh, we lost touch and I don't know, like I, social media is weird. Like people get super sensitive over shit. Like she doesn't follow me back or right. she doesn't respond to my messages and shit like that. Yeah. You know how sensitive people are. I feel like the most sensitive people are DJs, but whatever. Is that right? I feel like it. Okay. So um, I ran into him at um, a party. Fuck, I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I ran, to, I ran into him at a party. We're not going to say his name. No. It's all good. If I, if I say the party, he'll, he'll know I'm talking about him. Ran into him at a party, and um, this was literally a week after I did um, an event with the Beat Junkies. So it was all the Beat Junkies guys, and I opened for all of them. And he, the, he was drunk. I, I was happy to see him. I was like, oh, my God, it's been so long. Like what's going on, what's good, like all that yada yada. And then he, he was drunk and he was just like automatically like salty. Like mm. he was just like, oh, how you doing? Like, yeah, so you're all Hollywood now? The term Hollywood. So you're all right. Hollywood now? You know, you forgot about all of us and all that shit. And he was drunk, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really like have anything to say. So I was just like, you want a drink? That was always my mm -hmm. go-to. You want a drink? I'll get you a shot. Let's go drink, take a shot, whatever. So we go to the bar and he jumps right into it. He's like, so it's crazy that you do like all of these events with, you know, the beat junkies and like you're an ambassador now and blah, blah, blah. He was like, what's up with that? Like, do you think you deserve it? That was his first question. Do you wow. think you deserve it? Yeah. And this wasn't, I, I mean, everything that I've done with the beat junkies is a huge deal to me. Even, yeah. even just the recognition, that's all I ever needed. The, the, the recognition, the acknowledgement, just being sure. around them, rubbing shoulders with them, let alone like playing with them. That's 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 a huge deal for me. But I, I, for 
I guess for someone to notice it in, in, in that light and, and, and that be the first question, like, do right. you deserve it? Yeah. I was just, I, I was so offended. I, I, I didn't even know what to say to him, but, but in my head I had so much that I wanted to say. Like, sure. you know what I've struggled with. You know the process. You know what I went through, the journey. Like, you've seen it. You were there. Like, what do you mean do I deserve it? Like, what's, what's you know, what's the deal? Like, I didn't understand where it was coming from. And the next day he, he was on Twitter knowing that I follow him and he was still talking shit. He was like, it's just crazy. Like, uh, you guys give these female DJs a spotlight and it's like, you, you, like, where did like turntablism go and all that? And I, I, he, he's very old school. Uh, I guess it's something I want to talk about too. Uh, you know, the, the, there's always like those bitter old school veteran DJs and, and he's just like, where did turntablism go? And, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to see her like battle and then called some other girl out, like go battle this girl out. Yeah. And it's just like, and even my style from that other female DJ were so different. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I respect turntablism. Like I, 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 I'm learning the, I've learned the craft. I'm still learning the craft, but it's like, I'm, you know, I've, I've become more than that. Like, yeah. I don't just want to do that. I want, yeah, yeah. I, I expanded my, my craft. So, so what like, did you, what did you learn from that experience other than that guy's obviously an asshole? But. Yeah, he's a, he's an effing douchebag. Um, learning to just brush it off. Yeah. And I guess, uh, that's why I said earlier, like to this day, I feel like I'm still trying to earn, you know, like credibility from others because like I said maybe for some people I'm just never going to reach that point yeah sure because they're never going to accept it right but that's more like, about them than you isn't it yeah that's true but yeah and, and you know some people like some people are just not open to right. that or yeah. even even take out the whole female DJ thing like even um new technology or 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 new ways to DJ or right whatever new styles some people are just not open to it mm -hmm. so i mean i've noticed you know some people love kind of to like find the flaws in other people and yeah. you know I, you talk about djs and you know i mean we used to do it when we were younger center we go see some big dj and be like find all the shit that was wrong in his right or whatever you know what i mean yeah like that's part of it and you yeah, have exactly. to not pay attention to that stuff Right. But I'm so hard on myself. I still do that. Yeah. I mean, I still get nervous. Yeah. All my gigs, even if it's like the smallest bar gig, I yeah. still get nervous because I, I always feel like someone's watching sure. and judging. I mean, I'll have, and I know this because I'm nosy, I'll have DJs literally come to like certain stuff and yeah. I know who they are, but like they don't think I know them and they'll just like stand oh, yeah. around and like That's peep funny. game. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know that. I did, I did, um, this, um, uh, Guitar Center tour, it was like a clinic for like Bose. Mm -hmm. I did uh, clinics all over SoCal. So this was uh, pretty much, I would just do like demos, like live demos or like mini like exhibition sets. Mm -hmm. And I would always know, it's so funny, I would always know who the DJs are because they would always stand behind me to see if I was really doing anything. Right. And everyone yeah, sure. else would be like in the front. I'd be like, I know which ones are behind me. <laughs> These are the DJs behind me. I want to know if I'm doing the right thing, if I'm yeah. doing something, anything. Yeah. But you know. Hey, let's go back into Rebel Radio archives. 
Check out Mr. Chalk, one of the uh, world famous beat junkies. He tells us what it's like kind of building that team and, and how they've become such an amazing, strong brand all over the world. You can get that on iTunes, on SoundCloud, Rebel Radio, after, of course, you finish up with Bella Fiasco. So you talked about Bee Junkies a little bit, and I, I, I love those guys. Um, what is, what is, uh, well, what have you learned from them? I, ultimately, honestly, I, what I, what I really take from them, obviously, aside from all the technicality and, and just the culture and, and the art and all of that, mm -hmm. is just how humble each and every single one of them are. Mm -hmm. They, they respect everyone. Like I used, to, I used to get so scared if I like had to be in the same room as any of them. Right. But now it's like, they're, they're literally like the chillest, most respectful, humblest, coolest people. And they don't judge anybody. And, and, yeah. and it, like I said, like I, I, I used to get so nervous being in the room with them, but like, now that I know what kind of DJs they are and like just knowing, getting to know them as human beings, they're amazing people. Mm -hmm. They're super cool. Mm -hmm. I still get nervous when I play with them though. Sure. <laughs> they I, still make me nervous. I played uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the few parties I've ever DJed. I opened for, uh, I think it was Curse and- Oh, dope. I forget who it was. It was in a bowling alley. But, um, and I was not a good DJ. I'm still not a good DJ. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I've kept, I've stayed consistent in that. Um, but they were like, to your point, like they didn't judge me. They were totally cool yeah. about it. We were talking about records that I was playing afterwards. Like, you know, it, it did a, it gave me a huge boost in my confidence. Yeah, totally. Um, just being around them. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really admire that they keep up with the current. You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah. continuously develop. They're not just stuck in that one box sure. because I know that a lot of people, when they think beat junkies, old school, yeah. turntablism, all that, know like some of these guys headline clubs right. in Vegas and, 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 and now they opened up a school teaching mm -hmm. kids how to, you know, learn how yeah. to DJ and it's, it's, they're always keeping up to date. So yeah. I feel like they're a huge contributor in the development of just DJing as an art. Absolutely. So what does it mean to be an ambassador? Um, well, it's for the beatjunkies.com. Uh -huh. It's for the record pool, mm -hmm. but it's pretty much just um, promo, control, content, all of that. And other than that, it's just a relationship with them, yeah. being able to do events with them and uh, stir up ideas with them and all of that. Nice. It's good stuff. It's fun stuff. They're, they're always up to so many new things. And sure. after the school, now they're doing Beat Junkies TV. So. Mm -hmm. A bunch of new stuff on the way, which yeah, is what absolutely. I admire about them the most. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's like nonstop work for him. And what about you? Do you have? Is there like a mission that uh, you kind of have a vision of where you're going, or is it uh, one foot in front um, of the other? Well, first off, producing. I've been in and out of producing for a few years now. Nice, because I. It's kind of like school. I always felt like I could balance DJing and being a producer. 
yeah. at the same time, yeah. but it, it never works out. I'll get into it for like a couple of months and I get so busy DJing, I forget about anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm always in and out of it, but now I finally have things going. So I have some remixes coming out. I'm doing like a collection series nice. and that should be coming out sometime this year. Oh, cool. And other than that, I'm still doing parties. So what have you seen about, because um, a lot of DJ, you know, that's a common career path, right? Right. To DJ and then start producing. Um, but they're not the same at all. No, not at all. Um, what's been harder about that than you thought it would be? About? About like making that transition or adding producing to? It's funny you ask that because I, I, I think that's a question that I'm still trying to answer and I won't know until I try it. Yeah. Because even just identifying myself as an open format DJ, how do you, how do you garner a specific right. following for the kind of music that you want to put out if yeah. you're an open format DJ? You know what I mean? Like you kind of have to stick to one thing. Sure. And yeah, even, you can't really be an open format producer. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. Right. And even, and, and anyways, a, a little sidetrack, but um, even being an open format DJ, like it's, it's both a good and a bad thing. To some people it sounds good, to some it sounds bad, right? Mm. Like it has, it has it's, I don't know, it has a stigma, but to some it's like, oh, you're an open format DJ, how, how amazing. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I've had a producer friend tell me like, you can't put out any music and make a name for yourself as a producer if you're an open format DJ. He's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you're, that's the Vice thing. Vice does fine with that. That's the thing, right. And my argument was always A-Track, Vice, yeah. like they're able to do it, you yeah. can do it. And I feel like now with, with the climate and DJing now, that's what I kind of want to help contributing to, which is mm -hmm. making open format happen again, but it mm -hmm. won't be corny. Cause you know, sometimes open format, they're like, that's corny. Like, yeah. Open well, format, I, you're a wedding DJ, like. Yeah, I mean, that was my um, take on it is that um, there was an era when a lot of DJs started relying on sort of gimmicks. Right. In that, right, in, yeah. in that open format. Um, and yeah, it became just playing like super cheesy, mm -hmm. fun stuff that, would kind of make people laugh or like playing like ironically. Right. <laughs> which yeah. is not, you know, which we, we both know a lot of DJs who play open format not that way. Yeah. Um, but I think to your point, like I, I guess then that shaped people's perception overall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I want to, that's what I'm working on right now. I, I, I when I say so what, open what format, kind of I want to. Um, well, I've always yet? loved classics. I know it's so typical, but I've always loved classics. I want to recreate um, funk and disco joints, mm. make it electronic, but it's nice. not going to be like hard bass type of big room uh -huh. EDM stuff. Sure. It'll still, it'll, it's something you could listen to in the car, but you could play it in your sets too. Right. You just probably won't be able to play it during your primetime yeah. slot. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's something to listen to. I don't want to, I, I always say this, if I get into production, I don't want to produce music that you can only play in the club. Mm. I really want it to be like music that you could listen to. Because most of the stuff that producers and DJs put out, it's, it's, it's stuff that 
you would only use at a club or at a bar, at a lounge, whatever. Sure. But would you actually like download this, put it in your iTunes and play it in the car right, or yeah, while sure. you're getting ready right. or while you're just like cooking in the house? You know what I mean? Yeah. I want it to be like music, music. Okay. Um, I saw you were tweeting about uh, Swedish house mafia <laughs> and, uh, and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday who he, he was there in Miami and his, um, and what he said is he felt like Swedish House Mafia breaking up kind of signaled the end of that like EDM so era too. and that this performance signaled a new era. Um, and we were kind of arguing because I don't think the name EDM, I don't think can come back. Right. Um, but I think that it'll just be called something else and like that music will continue to live on. But but he was kind of saying, as I wasn't there and I didn't watch it yeah. on video, but like that, that he felt like that performance kind of started a new era. Yeah. Well, I feel like EDM it, it, in its own just, it it, it keeps birthing like all sorts of other genres. Sure. There's so many subgenres under yeah. EDM and it's all like right now, what's what's like hot right now? Everybody's doing the whole future base yeah. mood yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's hot right now. Right. But do you think that's gonna last? No, I mean I think dance music is um by definition uh it's a it's a innovative process. Right. Right. So it's always changed. Exactly super fast yeah and if you look at the 30 years that there's been quote-unquote dance music right like we've had a hundred genres right and you know that that's not true in any other style of music exactly um and i think that's just going to continue yeah someone told me the other day drum and bass is about to come back in a big way probably which i don't know if that's true or not but it wouldn't surprise me yeah and you know it's uh you know that's popped up over the, it's popped up over the years, mm -hmm. you know. But would it still be called EDM? Because we still we still associate so. EDM with that, like what you said, yeah. Swedish House Mafia. Yeah, and, I think it's kind of what we were saying about open format, that like th there becomes a stigma because certain people exactly. have success doing it in a way that turns the rest of us off, mm -hmm. right? And so then there becomes a stigma, and I think it needs, it'll end up with a new brand. Yeah. Which is fine because it, it doesn't ultimately it doesn't really matter what we call right. stuff, right? That just becomes a convenience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point. Um, you also tweeted about. Um, <laughs> my Twitter's a mess. Is I'm it? so mad you're on my Twitter. <laughs> oh no, I didn't see. I didn't see anything bad. But you, I want to look. You said I feel something. like I have a different identity on Twitter because I wouldn't post oh, really? anything on Twitter on. On Instagram, you know what I mean. So is that, I'm, and, I'm and more is, free so on is Twitter. So Instagram, you're like, that's your brand. I don't know. I feel like it's my portfolio. Okay. Like I got rid of my Facebook page. I don't think anybody checks up on me on Facebook. Instagram's interesting. Like, you know, I get it. I use it. 
whatever. But I feel like most people are just not that interesting on Instagram. Like, <laughs> because, and, and I, I say that because, like, it's just pictures. Yeah. Right? And right. so the people that are really good at Instagram, first of all, if you're just insanely good looking and you just post pictures of yourself. Right. Which there's a lot of those people, and those are the usually the most popular people on Instagram, right? right? The ones or, that make a living off of Instagram. Exactly, and you just have to be born a certain way and and willing to act a certain way on camera, right? Yeah. And then for everyone else, it's like, oh, here's something I saw, but there's no context, right? I mean, it, right? You know, there's a couple of hashtags or whatever, yeah. but there's no, but on. On Twitter, or like other, you get a better sense of someone's personality, right? Exactly, based on what they wrote. I would say so. I would say Twitter's probably where I'm most free. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, but you said that this is not like anything controversial, but you just said something about uh, turning down a tour because it didn't fit with your brand. Oh, right. And so I'm just curious, like, <laughs> about that. What's that process to decide how well something fits with your brand? I feel like. My my guess is that some things are obvious one way or the other, mm -hmm. and then there's gray area in between. And so, how do you think about that? Um, I, I I would say just knowing the balance between wanting to do something for the clout or the popularity or yeah. or, or maintaining your image is that hard or your rep? It is hard. It's it it's it's a continuous compromise. Again, always compromise. It's really hard for me to turn shit down. Because, because I, uh, you this know, was hard to turn down. I would say, yeah, mainly because of bread and travel. But yeah. like, I just, I, 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 I couldn't. Like, I feel like I would take like a few steps back with like certain parts of like my my history that I've like earned respect out of. Yeah, I, I, I take a few steps back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 even so, like you know, the whole like um, earning like bunch of new followers from this and like popularity or fame i was right. it's i was just, i was like it's probably not even going to be the kind of people that i want looking sure. after my my shit you know yeah, like exactly. it's not going to be the same people i want listening to my stuff they're not right. going to want my stuff right so it, it it didn't even fit yeah everything i had going on so i was just like okay um i know you so you, i know you post a lot of mixes mm -hmm. um how does that help you like think kind of from a business perspective how, how does that help you um having content that people could look out for or anticipate or just have so do you see that you, like it helps you get gigs because someone listen to my mixes you yeah know what? or do uh, they or is it like a certain number of plays and then they want to book you or no. like is there uh, ironically, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say we're booking you because we heard your mix. Yeah. But then again, I'm not in that era. Like right. I don't like even like moving from SoundCloud to MixCloud. I had like uh, if I have like uh, I don't know how many followers I have on Instagram, maybe close to a thousand. Mm -hmm. And I would get like a fair amount of listeners and listens. Right. But then I moved to SoundCloud. I couldn't even get more than. 200 followers i mean mixcloud is, like, a, is it, that whole thing to me is really unfortunate because it is soundcloud i've is such a great experience mm -hmm. as a listener yeah right and just the way it works and exactly the, everything about it's great except for when they pull shit down yeah right and um mixcloud is not mm -hmm. it's okay you know and but it it doesn't have the same 
I don't know. I haven't spent time really thinking about it, but yeah. it's just not the same. Right. Well, one, I, the interface kind of sucks. Yeah. And especially because people will listen to mixes are always going to be on the go. It's always going to be right. like mobile. Mobile. Yeah. And they don't have, I don't, I mean, they have an app, but it's not mobile it's not friendly. It's, it's, yeah. the interface just sucks, period. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, moving my mixes from SoundCloud to MixCloud just sucked. Yeah. And I, I'm like, it's so hard to get traffic on MixCloud. It's yeah. so hard to make people move from SoundCloud to MixCloud. And I'm yeah. trying so hard. I'm like, I'm not going to post anything on SoundCloud. You guys will have to listen to it on MixCloud. But it's right. still, they'll be they'll email me and be like, can I just, can I have the MP3? Like, right. I, there's no download link. Like, can I just yeah, yeah, have yeah. it? Like, it, but yeah, the mixtape era is, uh, I don't think I'm in that era. I still do it because it's a way for me to express my, my craft. Yeah. I guess, and just to have content, and mm -hmm. and I love doing it. So, mm -hmm. but I don't think I'm in. I'm past the mixtape era. So, yeah. Sure. Which kind of sucks, but like I said, I still do it. Well, I love you know, doing it. Like we were saying, I think the era is going to keep changing. Things will come right. back, and maybe mixtapes you know. are coming back. Yeah. SoundCloud supposedly. You know, I have a friend who's in the business of clearing. All the songs and okay. contained in a mix. It's a uh, dub something. Dubset uh -huh. is the company, and so they're. I thought you said dubstep. No, <laughs> dubset. Uh huh. Uh, and so they're starting to to work with with DJs and um, to get all the songs cleared. Yeah. So that those I don't can... know why they haven't done that sooner. It sucks. I have mixes that get taken down, like. Two years later, I don't yeah. know how that works, but yeah. it'll get taken down two years later, or it'll get taken down twenty hours later. Yeah. So. Yeah. I always feel like a piece of my YouTube? heart breaks. Mm, I don't have any YouTube content. No. no. He's but on my head you about don't put, this. Like, but mixes up on YouTube. No. I'm not very. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that's even a good idea. I, I'm not very video interactive. Like I don't I, listen to music on YouTube, but uh, but a lot of people do. Does anybody do that? Yeah, it's the number one place that people listen to music. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and a lot of it's just no visual, right? It's just a record spinning or, or just nothing. Are you just serious? A photo, just a picture. Yeah. But you can't even listen to YouTube and exit out of the app and have the music still right. playing. Yeah, again, like, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Is like, that, yeah, it's a terrible experience. What? Millions of people. And so it that. must be people listening, like, on their desktop or something. I think so. Yeah, people who don't have phones. Yeah, people yeah, who yeah, live yeah. like in the okay. Anyways. Yeah, work. Or, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, uh, what's the hardest part of this job? Hardest part of this job? Um, I'm gonna give you such an elementary answer. Staying awake. Oh yeah. I mean, we talked about no me one being has really said that great before. at staying awake. That's actually a good answer. But if you're working, especially in the summer when you're doing day clubs and yeah. nightclubs back to back, yeah, yeah, and you're gonna do that like five nights, five days in a row, sure, it's keeping your energy up. Yeah, because there are gigs where I'm literally standing there and I don't even remember being there at all. I black out from just exhaustion. Right. Not from drinking. I like black out and I'm like, I, I'll go home, take a nap, and I wake up and be like. I played today. Mm -hmm. There's moments where I'm that tired. Like yeah. I feel like I literally just show up and I play, but like I don't remember anything. Just like blackout from exhaustion. Yeah. And um, that's what I'm like trying to work on now. And that's this why, this is not guys. even D like I don't even think this is like DJ 
anything related. <laughs> It's just working on rest. Well, I mean, there's a certain like schedule uh -huh. for DJs that's it's hard. Yeah. Right, and and I think it only in some ways it only gets harder when there's more travel involved. Exactly. And, when you're traveling, you know, it gets. I've talked that's to gets some tricky. people on the show that like you know have said the hardest part is flying is yeah traveling right and not knowing what city you're in or not you know you go to all these exotic places but all you see is the airport the, exactly the dj right. booth you mm -hmm. know you don't see uh, the city and any of that yeah totally um uh so you understand why people start to pre-program their sets right but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I'm, got DJs behind me in the DJ right. booth exactly. <laughs> watching me. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, I have a, a lightning round. Um, so tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Uh, dropping out of school and becoming a full-time DJ. Okay, complete this sentence. I don't have talent. I have blank. Drive. If I worked for you, like this guy, um, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Don't drink tonight. <laughs> okay, that might tell us more about Josh than uh, we wanted to know. Um, who would you be most excited to learn is a fan of your work? Is a fan of my work? Um, all the guys that I work with, and especially the Beat Junkies. Mm. I still, I still get like a piece of, uh, like an exhilarating feeling whenever I get one of them, you yeah. know, praise my work. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's like, it's like my dad. Like I, uh -huh. I feel like I always have to like uh, impress them, yeah. and it's always a work in progress, you know. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I'm, lis I'm listening to uh, Jimmy O Yang's book. Right mm -hmm. now. He has very different. The chapter is, is about like growing up with Asian parents. Uh huh. He has a very different experience than yours. In what way? Oh, I, like uh, he did his he did some big comedy show like stand up. Mm -hmm. It was like, and his parents came and they were like, "Yeah, that sucked. You you should." You're not funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was like when Joe Coy, right. his mom told him, "Oh, you want to be a clown? Right. That's yeah, yeah. what they think being exactly. funny is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of said the same thing. So I'm glad you're not having that experience. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think I'm lucky. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Um, I love San Francisco. Yeah. I love the Bay Area culture. You ever I think play it's there? sort of, I play there a lot. Yeah. It, it sort of feels like um, home away from home. Yeah. The, the, the culture is very similar to Long Beach, mm. I would say. The party scene. Yeah. Just like, it, it's, it's, it's. Like they get they get wild. Yeah. Like Long Beach gets wild. Like if you play in LA, you'll notice that most clubs don't have um, people on the dance floor going crazy. Right. A lot of them just stand yeah, around, yeah, yeah. stare at each other. Sure. Especially like the premier night clubs in Hollywood. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a standing dance. room. Yeah, but that's the cool thing. Right. <laughs> or you know, to, uh -huh. to them, it's it's cool like if you dance, do. like you're crazy. What are you doing here? Go to another club. Right. Because you're supposed to just be here, pop bottles, and look at each other. Yeah. You know, but I love playing in the Bay. It's always like mad energy when I play in the Bay. Nice. What's the uh, movie that you've seen the most in your life? Um, movie that I've seen the most. Um, um, that thing you do. 
like a it's like a comedy sort of musical sort of like yeah it is that thing you do with an exclamation yeah Tom Hanks right yeah, yeah exactly I've never heard of this because my mom would my mom and I would watch that over and over again okay it's one of my favorite movies rock and roll too. movie that movie just makes me, me happy you gotta go see it. Apparently. It'll make you happy. All right. It sets a mood. I feel like it's a movie to watch during the day before you get anything else started. Okay. Not that you should watch a movie first I usually don't do morning. that. I don't do that very <laughs> right. often, but once On a, a Sunday or something, when you're off or something. Once in a while, my son and I watch a Sunday morning movie. Sometimes. Monsters, Inc. 2. I know that movie word for word. You do? Yes, because of my little sister. Okay. She wouldn't go to sleep until I put that on. The second so. one, not the first one. First one. All right. Um, who's your favorite DJ? That's tough. Can we not favorite DJs? Favorite DJ? You can pick more than one. Um, well, I've always been a huge fan of A-Track, just how he's able to bridge the gap between, like I said, open format yeah. dance and being able to play festivals as an open format DJ. So, um, I, I, he's, he's, he's the muse, like, ultimately, I feel like that's who I want to mold myself into, yeah. that kind of DJ, like his, He, his he played a festival once that I was involved in, and so I stood on stage and watched him DJ, mm -hmm. and he, um, he made a beat live on stage. Right. You've seen him do that? Mm-hmm, yes. It's amazing. And if you see him, like, yeah, if you see him DJ, yeah. there's no down, no, down no, no, moment. No. He's actually, like, working. Yeah. Like, you, you're not going to tap him on the shoulder and say hi, because he's just constantly, like, working. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Other than that, all the guys from the Beat Junkies, those are really, like, my idols. Yeah. But um, I don't know if you're familiar with Nasty Nez. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's my uncle. Oh, really? It's actually my grandpa. Oh, no way. But technically my uncle, but I call him my grandpa. But um, yeah, starting out as a DJ, he was, he, was basic, he was pretty much the one that told me there's a right way to learn. Yeah. These are the first steps that you have to take before you can call yourself a DJ. So what are the first steps? And it was learning how to play on vinyl. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. And, and like I said, like, learning how to DJ, how to teach myself everything. Like, and, and, but but I, I at least had the idea of knowing that I needed to learn the history before I get into the culture. Yeah. So I'm lucky that I had him doing that for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there were instances where I, you know, like show up to a workshop or whatever, like an open table session, I would show up and mm -hmm. they'd be like, but can you play on vinyl? And it's, it's intimidating. Right. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, I'm like, I was like 22 and I'm like, I just learned like a year ago, but it, okay. Yeah. So it, it was good to have someone uh, tell me that this is, this is, these are the first few steps. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Ah, that's cool. I've known Ness for a long time. Really? Yeah. What a small world. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, it is. It's a small community. Yeah. Even, believe it or not, even with him, it, it, it took a while to get his recognition. I'm sure. He, very OG, yeah. just 
And even when Serato came out, like he would ask me for help too. And we would do like, we would like do little trade-offs. Like I'll mm -hmm. teach you Serato, give me some vinyls, teach me some stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but it took a while for him to like, give me some personal recognition too, nice. which is a good thing. Yeah. I always felt like I had to impress my uncle, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. You need that. Right. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. How does uh, this how does everybody fun. find you online? Online at DJ Bella Fiasco on everything Twitter, okay, Instagram, uh -huh. SoundCloud, Mixcloud, at DJ Bella Fiasco. Check the Mixcloud. Check the Mixcloud. Give me some traffic on Mixcloud. That's right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Yo, that was Bella Fiasco on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. Leave us a comment, a review. Hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, on Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. Hit our iTunes page, our YouTube, everywhere you like, you can find us. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio.